Well, welcome back to the One Hundred This Podcast. My name is Nate Robinsoff, and I'm here with Pastor Joseph Tillman, MDiv, soon to be Demon. Today, how are you today? This day, I'm I'm doing absolutely awesome. That's better than the last day. This is true. Good. Yeah, man. Today we are continuing to talk about hyper grace, which I don't understand. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I understand it a little bit better now because we right. did an episode previously on it, Uh but practically in real life, don't get it. Okay. Don't get how it works. Don't think that way. All right. Completely foreign to you. Yeah. Gotcha. Don't believe in that God. (laughs) Believe in a different one, (laughs) I suppose. Right. You call it heresy? I reckon. Yes. (laughs) All right. Um, Patreon, $5. You can follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at when I heard this podcast and Twitter, which is X now, and locals at when I heard this. Um, like, subscribe, follow, share, download, and tell your people that you know about the show. That kind of rhymes. Yeah. Well done. Thanks. Yeah. So, uh, we're going to keep talking about that, and I have a question about that. Okay. So, w- People who believe in hypergrace, uh-huh. which we defined at length last time, right? What does their life look like? Okay, like because I know what my life looked like under legalism. Right, it wasn't good. Horrible and dark. Right. <laughs> but what does hypergrace people's lives look like? Um, like if I was taught by the average hypergrace teacher, right? Where would I be right now? I think. Man, that's 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 a really nuanced question for me. So I think you're gonna have some people that come out of legalism mm-hmm. that are gonna feel like, oh man, like this is freedom. And for some people, that freedom will be, okay, I'm loved by God. I have an identity in Christ. I still know the things I don't need to do, so I'm not gonna do those things. But I know that my I'm loved by God. My identity is in Christ, and I'm going to celebrate being free. Okay. Um, so I think that that can happen with some. That actually the that the idea of being taught by love, those kind of things, kind of drives them actually toward God. What I'm afraid is happening, though, to more people than not, is that there's so it, it's such an extreme. Which we talked about last time. Mm-hmm. It's such an extreme. That the reaction could be, oh man, not like none of the quote unquote laws rules matter anymore. Okay, and you're right in the sense of we're not under the law. But when Paul says that all of the law is summed up in this one phrase, "Love your neighbor as yourself," what I'm afraid of is that now in hyper grace, love is being reduced down to a very postmodern type feel of just doing. Do whatever feels right. And so it's leading people then to go, well, I don't have to follow all these, any of these rules. And the laws were always given so that people would understand healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries with others, a healthy way to, you know, relate with, maybe relating is a better phrase. Healthy way to relate to others, healthy way to relate to God, healthy way to relate to themselves. And so if they don't understand how like the 
all right, I'm not going to covet. I'm not going to um, just, you know, commit adultery, whatever it may be, because I feel like it. Mm-hmm. That I understand doing that actually harms myself and others. Then if there's no, and I, if there's no understanding of how, there's no understanding of how we can actually love one another rightly. Mm-hmm. What love actually looks like. That it looks like, yeah, and of course, the hypergrace go, well, love looks like Jesus. Oh, okay. But, but you don't. <laughs> but you don't. Like, and I think that's why Paul goes to great lengths in Galatians and Ephesians, in Colossians, in Romans to say, hey, these are the things you don't need to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if it wasn't a problem, if we just got saved by grace and everything was good, why would Paul need to say, and by the way, don't do these things anymore? You know, because we all, we, we have to be taught what not to do. So he's teaching them how to love other people and themselves. Correct. Because if I just believe that God loves everything that I do, then I'm going to be kind of a jerk to people. Sure. Right? Yeah. It's funny because Hyper Grace believes that their position makes you selfless. No, it makes you selfish. It can make you selfish. Right? Yes, it can. And and, and again... But that's like the... You're, you, you're saying it can, but that's like the logical conclusion, conclusion. to it. Right? Sure. Because the, the point being is their argument. So let me yeah. present their argument. Okay. Their argument is that... If I'm not focused on my sins, I'm focused on God. Okay? Okay. So if I'm not being told turn away from sin, I'm being told turn to God. If I'm not being told ask forgiveness of your sins, if I'm told just receive forgiveness from God. Like in other words, if the focus is always God and not on me and my sin, then that will be my focus and therefore I will not be selfish. So, so basically, people who believe in hyper grace are treating everyone terribly. Like that's where you would get to if you believe this for a really long time, or believe this I, from when you were a kid. I th- I think that again, some would, some won't. The, the the problem is, I think that yeah, if you're taught this over and over again, and if you, especially if you're taught that your actions don't matter, I think that's the issue, the biggest issue with all of it. Right. That your actions don't matter. But that that was legalism, basically. That right. every like the extreme of that is everything that you do or Correct. don't do matters. Right. So this is nothing that you do or don't do matters. Correct. Like you know, like legalism was every single thing you do affects your relationship with God. Right. They're saying nothing you do affects right. your relationship with God. And so the log- logical conclusion to to legalism is that <laughs> I tell God to f off, <laughs> and the logical conclusion to hyper grace is that I'm just a jerk. <laughs> okay. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, I can see where you're coming from in that. I, here's where I think the biggest issue is. Can okay. I, I'll say this. I think the biggest issue actually is elitism and pride. Okay. And here's why they, the hyper grace preachers and those in that movement believe they've got it figured out and that they absolutely are the only ones who know it. So, and that everyone else is living a much less than gospel life. So all Christian, okay, this is what I'm gathering from all this stuff. Okay. All Christian, it, it, 
every time you take anything in Christianity and it, turn it up to 11, you've just started a cult. <laughs> it does get that way. Right? Yeah. Anytime absolutely. I do anything in Christianity and I right. like how what so so how do I know <laughs> how do I know that all of Christianity isn't just someone turning something up to 11, 11. and now it's a cult? Right. Like is that why people is that why people think all of Christianity is a cult? Because I've just took one verse and I'm like, this is what I'm going to base my whole life on. Right. And now we're a cult. Right. We're the cult of this verse. (laughs) Right. No, and that is, that's the crazy thing that happens. Right. Like, like, for example, like one of the hyper grace preachers teaches that, okay, so after the seventh day or after the sixth day, God rests. Okay. Right. And then he says, so God has never worked again. Oh. And, And you're like. Oh, so no one should work now. Well, that's what that's well, your church well the church of lazy people <laughs> this kid that's like, how that's the, that's right. one of the critiques of the hyper grace church it actually is that they become lazy okay and and and, and the critique is actually lazy like <laughs> spiritually but also lazy in what they do for other people right because they're all jerks to other people <laughs> because they don't they're well if I punch you, I'm forgiven. So why? Who cares? <laughs> I, th- I think that that again, this is where it's frustrating because they're kind of like walking both lines. They want to say that no, don't just go do whatever you want to do. They would say we're not just teaching go do whatever you want to do, but they are. <laughs> but they're also saying at the same time that whatever you do has no bearing on you, on your relationship with God. Right, which is the ultimate thing. Right. Correct. They, would they say that? They say the most important thing is your relationship with God? Sure. Okay, well, if my if the most important thing is my relationship with God, and nothing I do has any bearing on the most important thing in my life, then nothing I do matters. So I yeah. can do whatever I want. Yeah, and it, and I think part of it where it gets spiritually lazy is you're like, I don't need to spend time with the Word. Right, I don't need I, to go to church. I don't need, I don't need to I don't pay need, tithe. I don't need to pray. I don't need to pray. Because, right. man, I'm loved. I'm yeah. forgiven. All is good. Thank God. Yeah. (laughs) And the book of Jude addresses this in the sense of, all right, there's this, there's this false teaching that was coming into the church. So this is like early on, like early church stuff. This is happening already. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, because again, you have false teachers come in, like you said, crank this one thing up to 11. We talked about movies last week. Have you ever seen Life of Brian? No. He's running away and he loses his shoe. Okay. And he also is holding a gourd and he drops the gourd. <laughs> and one person picks the shoe up. Okay. I think it was his shoe. One person picks the shoe up and the other one picks up the gourd and two cults instantly form based on <laughs> based on the shoe and the gourd. I got gotcha. And they start fighting and then they go different directions right. and they're all... <laughs> like, But it's... it's it feels like that's how easy it is to start christian cults at this point <laughs> well it is and the whole thing i was thinking about the rest part earlier was because all right so this this preacher really like focuses on resting in god mm-hmm. just rest in god rest in god don't do any works just rest in god and but then it discounts the fact that okay who is jesus he is god right. he's the holy spirit he is god mm-hmm. if god stopped working then after the sixth day, then we get the dark ages again, right? And and or Jesus wouldn't be doing anything. Holy Spirit wouldn't be doing anything, right? Right. And if you want to like, and if you want to, and the whole thing with Trinity 
and, and, and then his counter argument would be, well, that was God the Father that rested. Jesus did his work. Now he's resting from his labors. He's no longer working anymore. Oh, right. Dying was right. really it, exhausting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking no, the next 2,000 years, years off. <laughs> right. So, well, like, <laughs> so, but he's saying hey, spirit it, man. It's, <laughs> Okay, so he's saying that, like, basically, that God the Father's job was creating. Okay. When he was done creating, he was done. Cool. Jesus came. When Jesus died on the cross, Mm -hmm. and his job was redeeming and saving, so when he died on the cross, rose from the grave, and then ascended to the Father, he's done. So now the Holy Spirit's just showing up, like... Now the Holy Spirit has come... Sit on the couch and get baked with us. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's come, and he's and it's pretty nebulous, like what the Holy Spirit's actually doing or not doing. Right. But the whole point of it, like that's that's such a disconnected Trinity. Right. Like no, like they're all interacting together, they're moving together, they're doing together. It's not like the Father and Son are on vacation while the Spirit's doing a work. It's like the Dad passing the company down. Right. And like, all right, I'm yeah. done. You're 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 next. Yeah. Yeah, and then the grandson receives it right. later on. And, yeah. yeah. And, and so, he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and so and I feel like that's like it's just such a it's such a unbiblical way to think about God. Yeah. And there's really categorized, compartmentalized ways of understanding the Trinity. But my point is like, so his whole thing has been resting, resting, resting. So it's always what he's talking about. Just resting God, resting God, resting God, resting God. And I'm like, Dude, like you're just telling everybody to rest, not do anything. Right. So where they're going, they're not doing anything. But it doesn't matter. Right. They're forgiven. And and so what? And actually, they become selfish. Right. Because they're not doing anything for the sake of anybody else. Right. They're just they're just man. I'm resting in God, man. I got my identity. Mm -hmm. And I've just met too many people who have that attitude. Like you don't you don't need a same you don't need to go to a church. You're good, man. Or right. You don't need to go help that in charity. You know, charitable organization. Yeah. Just rest in God, man. Don't worry. They're forgiven. If they die, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's frustrating. Yeah. Because that's not at all the call of 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 Christ. And and so I think that, you know, and again, in Jude, you see this like, hey, it, it, there's these individuals that have come in and they're saying, basically, just do whatever you want to do. Because same thing. It has no right. effect or no bearing on your relationship with God. Right. So just do whatever you want to do. And there I, and then what's crazy is Jude here is going, no, 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 no. That's that's not okay. That's not okay. You don't don't follow don't follow them. And so, you know, again, I think that we just have to see the fact that it's it that is the that's been a concern since the early church, and it's still a concern. Of any time you get in this idea of that what I do or don't do doesn't affect my relationship with God, it leaves me completely open to doing then whatever I want to do. So what do the churches look like that believe in this stuff? Okay. Is anyone there? Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you yeah. be there? <laughs> okay. So and I think the connection will make sense here in a second. Most churches that are holding to this are charismatic churches. Okay. Because they believe... What's the difference between charismatic and fundamentalist? Okay. So, okay. A couple things. Okay. One, scripturally, 
fundamentalists believe in reading the scripture literally. Okay. Okay. Charismatics believe that the scriptures are the inspired, inerrant word of God, but okay. you don't read them literally. Okay. Or you don't need to. Like, because they're, there's different genres in scripture. And then second, right. fundamentalist would would not hold to a understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, where speak where people speak in tongues and operate in the gifts of the okay. Holy Spirit, and charismatics do. Okay, so that's the part that's hyper gracy. Yeah. Okay. So the, so what I'm getting to here is you see that connection part. Yeah. Of if I'm free in the spirit, and I'm free from religion, right. I'm free from okay. legalism. Now I'm free in the spirit and I'm free in grace. Hippies. <laughs> and it, it it does come across that way sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some of the charismatic circles, man, I run in, I mean, it's it, it that feel is there. So that's why in the legalism episodes you said that the legalism getting into the charismatic churches was so weird. Correct. Because basically it was hyper grace at church and then legalism at home yes and it's, and it's just back and forth between two Tw- polar between those opposites. two extremes and but then also i said there's it's weird because legalism also has crept into the church itself like even in its services it's there's been a creeping in of legalism right but but yeah so i'm free in the fact that i can't do anything and that's what they teach at charismatic well, churches. Okay, and, and obviously we understand there's not charis like there's a there's there's plenty of charismatic churches that are not hyper grace. Okay, right. There's plenty of charismatic churches that don't that don't have legalism just pouring through. Okay, okay. Um, and so I don't want to come across like every charismatic church is this way. I mean, I'm a charismatic, so I'm I'm speaking from my own camp here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an element of the charismatic church that has embraced this hyper grace theology and where this everything is emphasized on God's love, your identity as a son. And again, those things aren't bad. That's the frustrating part because someone's going to hear me kind of <laughs> say that I'm, um, right. I'm, I'm really against this and I'm not. Like Those are good things. Like Those things are truths that should be shared. Well, that's going to be my last question. But don't let those things be the only truths that are shared. Yeah. Like there has to be, again, a fuller picture of Scripture that has to be given and a fuller picture of God. That God, yes, God is love. God is also just. God is also holy. God is also righteous. And so don't just overemphasize one attribute of God. See, this is what I want to do now is go read the Bible and yeah. see how many extremes I can figure out <laughs> and what the cult would look like at the end of it. Right. That'd be fun. It would be it would it would, it would be scary easy. It would be so easy. Yeah. yeah. I know too much. <laughs> I've been well, in it for too long. long. Yeah. <laughs> I know the language yeah. and the terminology. Right. Yeah. And and that is the problem, though, is like what you're talking about. If I'm just going to pick out certain verses and hinge everything on those few verses. Yeah, you're going to take it to an extreme. You're going to take it to an extreme. And then, yeah. And then it always ends up in rape for some reason. <laughs> God almighty. I hope not. I mean, but, right? I mean, it ends up in it ends up in in horrible sin. Yeah. Yes. 
I would agree with that. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's what, but that's what Romans one teaches us because Romans one kind of moves through this progression of sin. And it teaches us that when we can kind of keep giving over to ourselves, the worst thing happens. Right. And, and I think that's what, unfortunately, hyper grace at its, at its worst is giving us over to ourselves in a lot of ways. Well, we should read the Bible and find all the extremes. <laughs> okay. And copyright them so that nobody <laughs> else can do it. Right. And we're just going to create cults out of all those things? We won't create the cults. Okay. We'll just... <laughs> But if someone dares to if do that. If someone dares try to create that right. call, like, no, we can yeah. sue them. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong with this idea? No, I think it's a good idea. Uh, We'd stop a lot of cults from happening. Now you got me interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I keep getting to points in these episodes where I'm just like, I am not understanding. <laughs> I if I was taught hyper grace my whole life, uh-huh. I would never go to church okay. and not feel bad about it. Okay. Right? That me personally. You personally. That's because with, with legalism, sure. It ended with me never wanting to go to church right. and feeling super, super bad about it. Right. <laughs> right. But with hyper grace, it's like, well, I would just, it, it seems like I would, if if I had gone through that my whole life, uh-huh. I would not go to church. Because why? Yeah. Because I'm not being fed okay. anything. Yeah. Because, and, and especially yeah. if you have a sense of, okay, I know God loves me. Right. right. I'm, I'm. Right. I am. I'm like, good. I'm, I'm good with God. I'm going to go do what I want. I'm good with God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be a free love you know, nice yeah. person. Right. No, and I do understand that that, for some people, that would be the right. so, natural movement. So why is it, why would anyone want to teach this to yeah. people? Because again, and I, I don't get yeah, the... I, I think that the, the appeal to it is what we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. The appeal to it is, don't we all want to hear that God loves us? And don't we all want to hear that we're accepted by God? And don't we all want to hear that we have an identity in Christ? I, mean, I want to say all of us. I mean, like those in the church, right? So if, if you're a believer, if you're in church, like those are the things you actually want to hear. For some people, they've never heard those things. So it sounds, especially they grew up in a real fundamentalist legalist church. It sounds like validation of well being yeah. a horrible person. <laughs> I would say it's not validation of being a horrible person. I would say it's validation in the fact of God does love you. You are accepted. You are forgiven. And God does see you. Your primary identity is not in what you do for him, but in who you are in him. And so, like, here's the thing. I actually believe in all of that that I just said. I believe yeah. in teaching people that God loves them, that they're valuable in God, that that they are forgiven in Christ. If if they repent, I would put the that part in there. But wow. yeah, I know. Um, and and then that their identity is in is in God. That they're accepted in God. They have an identity in God. Like I believe in teaching all that things, all those things, because I do believe that's revolutionary. I do believe that it's freeing for people, mm -hmm. and I do believe it causes people to fall in love with Jesus, knowing that. And so, 
but it can't be only that that's taught. That's what I'm getting to. Yeah. This is like there's a whole point with hyper grace. But that's my point. If they're gonna own if if the, yeah, if, if a pastor of a that. church is only gonna preach that, right? Then you're gonna lose all your members by the end of the year. <laughs> I mean, all good. Yeah. See well, I don't know. I mean, again, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I think people when they, they encounter that, it's like, wow, this is amazing, and they still want to be there. Wow, it's amazing. But I will say that I have noticed people that are in those camps filter away. Yeah. Like, or or kind of, I don't filter is not mean the right word, but to they they begin to kind of over time, you see them kind of just fall off. Right. They're not involved in church anymore. Right. They're not involved in any kind of real group anymore. Or maybe they have like a little prayer group that meets, but that's about it. You and know? it's not like they left angry either. No. They're just like, oh, I'm just going to float over here. Yeah. That's what it seems like would happen. No. And that is, I have seen that happen. Yeah. Absol- absolutely. Because it's not culty enough, like legalism. <laughs> right. To hold them. Right. Uh, I agree. So you got both of these things. Both Le- being. Legalism and hyper grace. Okay. How do I be in the middle? All right. How do I just be here and be okay? Right. So how do I not go yeah. to the how do I the, not the two extremes? Be pissed off this way and uh-huh. float off this way and just be <laughs> right. Jesus's kid. Okay. Or whatever. <laughs> um man. Okay. So w- we know that in legalism in this side over here mm-hmm. there's the uh, there's, it's so work-based, right? so rule-based, do this, don't do that. And then you got the hyper-grace, which is like, all right, we don't want to talk about rules, we don't want to talk about commandments, we don't want to talk about sin, let's just talk about the good stuff, mm-hmm. right? So you, then you have that over here. And so, in one side over here, the legalism is, even if they say you're saved by grace, they then will say, but then you got to do all the works to keep your salvation. Right. Hyper grace on the other side says, yes, you're saved by grace and you're also kept by grace to the point of you, you know, it's once saved, always saved. There's nothing you can do mm. to remove yourself from the family of God. Okay. And so once you've been. Sounds a- like a challenge. <laughs> That's the way you would interpret it. Yeah. It? Yeah. No. That's your personality. Once okay. saved, always saved. We'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and you won't be the only one to have that perspective, <laughs> right? Right? People are just so rebellious, <laughs> yeah. and um, so there, there's these extremes, and and it's what's frustrating is like the hyper grace side looks at the legalist side and goes, y'all are y'all are all legalists, y'all are all trying to work your way to heaven. Mm-hmm. Legalist looks at the hyper grace and says, well, you're not, you, you know, y'all don't even care about sin, y'all don't even care about following Jesus, really. Right. And and you don't care about any of the law. And, and then, but both sides, because they're extremes, have these things that are very unhealthy. So to find ourselves in the middle, to me, all right, we, we do understand we're saved by grace through faith alone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Doesn't sound culty yet, but keep going. <laughs> and that we are sanctified by grace. Okay. So we're set apart by grace. Set apart. Okay. Okay. We are in the process of being sanctified by grace, or put it this way, we're in the process of being conformed into the likeness of Jesus. We've had this conversation. I was confused, and I can't remember what you said about it, but I'll I'll go back and listen to it later. (laughs) We're in the process of being conformed into the likeness of Jesus, Uh and that's by grace. 
Okay, so all this by grace, right? Okay. Okay, so we're saved by grace through faith. Keep going. Okay, and that we understand that we cannot please God by anything else but by faith. Okay. Okay, so all of my works don't please him. Okay. okay. I'm, I please him by faith. All right. Okay. But as James says, faith without works is dead. Okay. okay. What James means is not works of the law. What James mean is means is there are works that we do that convey love to other people. He gives the example before he says that. He gives the example of you see someone and they're without a coat and mm-hmm. they need a coat. And it's not okay to just go praying for you. Bless you. James says, no, you got to not. <laughs> James says, you've actually got to take off yours and give it to them. Okay. Okay. So, and then James goes, because, you know, faith without works is, is dead. And he's, and he goes on to say, you think you've got, you know, faith. Cool. But I'm going to show you my faith by my works. And, and James is not saying that that he's saved by works. He's not saying that he keeps his salvation by works. He's not saying that he's even the process of looking like Christ is by works. But what he is saying is, if I'm saved by faith, if I'm set apart by faith, by, 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 if I'm saved by grace through faith, set apart by grace through faith, I'm following Jesus by grace through faith, this faith is, is going to look like something, produce something. Which are good works. Which are good works. So which, I should... By good works, we just mean loving other people, right? Because okay, so because I love, because I love Jesus, uh huh, and I have grace, I'm gonna naturally be a good person to people. I, I'm going. I don't know if naturally is always the right word. Okay, I do because because that what it I do think, or I'm gonna want to do good things. I think there's gonna be a want to at okay. times. Yeah, and I think there's gonna also be a. I know I need to. At the same time. Sometimes you want to. Sometimes you just know it's it's the right thing to do. Okay. Um, sometimes I really want to go help this person. People take, take the love thing too far, too. What do you mean by that? Like, with the coat example, mm-hmm. what if I <laughs> saw a homeless person without a coat and then I gave him my wife's coat and now she's freezing? Okay. Like I did a nice thing because I love, but I'm right. not loving my wife now. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't steal her coat. Right. Yeah. At least you can talk about it. Right. And so I think that like, oh, you need a car? Take ours. <laughs> and now we're all standing there on the side of the road. Like right. that's not love. Yeah. Because you're supposed to love some people more than others, I guess, or something. And, and and remember, you're supposed to love others as you love yourself. Right. There's nothing wrong with loving yourself. And so. You know, it, I'm not going to put myself in a position of debt to get someone out of debt, right? That doesn't make right. That's, that's not a, logical sense. That's a better example than mine. Yeah, and it's probably from the Bible, right? <laughs> well, I think it's just a not only is it from the Bible, it's just a logical example, mm-hmm. right? And so I, I can I can only give what I have, right? Okay, and so, but you know, I do think that, and and I will say this: I do think at times you may pass by somebody and go. I need to give him this and then I just go and trust the Lord that he'll provide for me for something else, you know, whether it's a code example or whatever. Mm. Right. But I don't think 
putting yourself in debt is the answer to these things. Okay. Right. All right. But so it's by grace through faith. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I'm, when I'm reading all of scripture and I'm looking at the whole gospel, I think that's probably one of the most important things in all of this. It's like, I've got to actually read the new Testament. I can't just like depend on even the before cross parts. Even before cross parts. Okay. And I need to read all the I mean, I really need to read all of the Old Testament, but at least if you're reading the New Testament, you can hear what this new covenant that we've entered into looks like. Like right. go read all of the letters of Paul and the letters, you know, of Peter, the letter of James, like re- the letters of John. Are you telling me what to do? Maybe. And so <laughs> go and read them so that you can see Seems a little extreme. Uh, <laughs> But I want to go and read them, and then I discover who the nature of God is, and I discover what He's calling me to do, and I, I it, and so there's nothing wrong like with saying I'm going to obey Jesus. Right. There's nothing wrong with saying I'm going to obey Jesus. I am obeying Him from a place of love, like I'm choosing to obey. And I think when you talk about love earlier, kind of, and I think that's what gets thrown off too. Like love sometimes requires a sacrifice of myself, like. And where I go, I'm going to do this because I know it's the right thing to do, mm-hmm. not because I just feel like it. I can't wait for just, oh, I feel like this. I just have to choose to do the right thing based on what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do and what I know is actually right to do. Right. Um, so, I, you know, when you talk about where is this middle part between crazy legalism and crazy hyper grace, I do think it's still centered in by grace through faith alone. But then it's like, all right. But then what does it look like, really, to follow Jesus? I think that's where the New Testament comes in to play. Like we read it. We look what Paul is telling us to do. He's telling us, to, you know, in Ephesians, he's saying live a life that's worthy of the calling that you have in Christ Jesus. If Christ has called you, live a life that's worthy of that. Right. Um, you know, continually imploring people to be in unity with one another. Don't be divisive with one another. Be kind, be gentle, have, you know, in Philippians two, have this attitude in yourselves that Christ had, you know, the attitude of humility. And so, you know, throughout scripture, Paul is calling people to live a certain way. And he's also giving like where hyper grace goes kind of in legalism, their extremes, for example, like in repentance, for example, like legalism would say, Man, you need to be at the altar like every Sunday repenting of everything you've done wrong and probably get saved again. I mean, you'd probably have to be there every day, all the time. <laughs> Hyper grace. That go, way you're not doing anything else bad. Right, right. Hyper grace is saying you don't need to repent, right? You, yeah. you, you, you trust in God and you're, you're good. We don't need to repent. And, but yet Paul in 2 Corinthians 7 completely, um, completely you know differs with that and what paul says you know in corinthians 7 is this teaching on repentance and he goes so far to say i know i've actually shamed you in my previous letter and i've grieved you i've shamed you and but let me but let me now share my thoughts on this and so second corinthians 7 verse 8 paul says for even if i grieved you with my letter i don't regret it and if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice. So Paul's going, oh, maybe I did regret it maybe a little bit after I sent it. But then I saw that the fact that it calls you to come closer to God, oh, I'm good now. So he called them a name and was just like, I meant it. 
That's what yeah. he was saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, I, I know I pissed you off, but right. don't care. <laughs> and he says, you know, verse nine, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. Hmm. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. And by the way, the grief that led them to repentance, he's talking to believers here. And so he's saying you repented from a pre from I wrote you previously. I shamed you in what I said, and now you've repented. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and and so you were grieved as as God willed. So he was saying this grief was actually God caused you this grief. God wanted you to experience this grief so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. But worldly grief produces death. For consider such mu how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves. What an indignation. What fear. What deep longing. What zeal. What justice. In every way, you showed yourself to be pure in this manner. And he's saying, listen, I know I shamed you. I know my last letter to you was heavy and hard, but it led to repentance. I'm good. It kind of feels like all the letters that Paul used to was sending to all these people uh, was like they would go to one because they didn't have a Bible or nothing. Right. And they had never sure. heard Jesus before or anything. Sure. And they were just Absolutely. all trying to figure it out. Absolutely. So it was like, oh, crap. We got another letter from Paul. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then... And then the the letter right. that they get is, hey, I know I told you not to do that thing last time, but you guys kind of went all the way the other direction. <laughs> and they're just like, well, how are we supposed to know? We don't have a Bible. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and that is true. I mean, like, I love what you're bringing up because Paul is having to deal with this. Right. In, in every letter he's writing, it's a pastoral issue that's going on. He's like trying to bounce them off of extremes. Yeah. Every like, time. Every time. No, you're right. You know, it's like, you know, the letter to the Galatians, they just were like, oh, we're free in the spirit. <laughs> we can do whatever we want to do now. Right. And and so, and Paul's coming to come back and go, no, guys, no, 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 no. Yes, you were justified in Christ, but it began in the spirit and has to continue in the spirit. In other words, you, you can't just go do whatever you want to do. You can't just throw away everything and say, mm -hmm. well, here's what we're going to go do. And so, and, you know, so my point just being here is Paul specifically addresses this idea of repentance. So there's nothing wrong with the fact that I repented when I came to know Christ, right? And so we see that all through Acts when they're doing these sermons, like Peter's sermon, for example, in Acts 2. And he says, repent, repent. I mean, that's what he calls them to. So to be saved, we repent, but also. From what? Yeah. We, don't, we don't have any rules yeah well and well peter is telling them and I mean, he's talking to the jews at this point and he's saying you repent you killed the messiah oh that's what he's saying yeah they should repent yeah and so and but the the beauty of it is is peter goes hey repent and you can be forgiven right i mean that's and, and i think that idea of repentance i think the idea of forgiveness that seemingly hyper grace really does want to just do away with like, and, and I say do away with, they very much believe in forgiveness, 
But again, they just believe it's something to be, you know, received. Not, I don't have to, I don't have to ask. Right. I just, you know, I don't have to, and I think their idea of asking is like, you don't have to grovel in shame. Just receive it. Um, but because forgiveness is what they that would seems say like the tamest version of it. Yeah. And because they would say like forgiveness is already like the whole world's already been forgiven is their perspective. Right. So you don't have to ask for it. It's already been done. Right. Well, in Acts 10, verse 43, it says all the prophets testify about him that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. And there is the idea of I, if I believe I can be forgiven. Okay. And, but it has to be, I have to believe in him. I have to trust in him and I can be forgiven. When Jesus says in the, in his model prayer, you know, not only your will be done, not only your kingdom come, but when he says, and I, I forgive like, or forgive me my so I, sins. I have to know that I sinned. Yeah. Which is the legalism part. Which, and then I have to know that I can be forgiven, which is the hyper grace part. Yeah. And I would say that's just Christian part, right? Like, in other okay. words, you bring it all together. So that's just being a normal dude. That's just being a normal Christian. Christian. Like, you know that the law is going to lead you to realize you're in sin. Right. And you realize that only by grace through faith can you be saved. Mm -hmm. Like That's just normal Christianity. But I can't do away with one. I can't just get rid of all of the Old Testament. Right. I, I have to know what's, what I'm doing is actually contrary to the will of God. And I have to know the words of Jesus, and I've got to know the New Testament, but I can't just read the New Testament through the lens of, it's just love, it's just grace, because as you were talking about, like, with Paul's letters, Paul's, like, rebuking everybody. Yeah. Like, he's rebuking the churches all over the place. He has to address sin issues in their life. And if he doesn't, then he's not, I mean, he's actually not preaching the whole counsel like, to them. Like, your parents tell you, don't eat any cookies. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, all they said was, don't eat cookies. So then you eat all the ice cream. Right. <laughs> right. That's what he was dealing with. Yeah. With the church. With the church. Yeah. And, you know, and, and then like, you know, for example, Hebrews 12, Paul is actually here quoting um, a proverb. Mm -hmm. And and so, and he's, he quotes it and he says, my son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And punishes every son he receives. And he, and then Paul goes on. And this is all and this is all about the context of sin, by the way. Okay. He says in verse, you know, he talks about, you know, you're struggling against sin. You're being overcome sin. And he goes on to say this in verse 7. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. And That's hyper grace. <laughs> Right? No, this, what I'm reading? Yeah. No, the like, hyper grace would. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Yeah, and they would go, they yeah, and they would say, so we don't want any discipline. Right. 
Yeah, but this whole thing is going, no, but you got to have discipline. Yeah. You know, and, and then later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And so, again, again, you, you have, the, you have the, the parts of Scripture that obviously are affirming that God is a God of love, that God extends grace, that we have an identity in him. But then we also understand that God is going to discipline us. Mm-hmm. God is going to convict us. God is going to give course correction to us to help us realize, no, that's like that's not loving. This is loving. Because mm-hmm. when we talk about being in the process of being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, that's actually what we mean. Like we're being transformed to love, to love, okay, to love God and to love others, right? And and so it it for for the life of me, I can't understand why hyper grace can't get behind that because they're all for the love part, but not the to others part, or at least not the process part, right? But like the reality is like I like when I come to know Jesus, I don't love everybody. Yeah, <laughs> I mean apparently you, know? you don't ever. Yeah, it's because whole, you're being sanctified. Right, it's a whole part of that process. Yeah. And so, and then we need each other to, to, to you know, as Ephesians 4 says, you know, we need each other to actually mature and to take on the stature of Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but we have to be called out for all the things that we're, that we are not doing that's in line with Scripture or that's in line, let me put it this way, God has a, God has a morality. Right. There's right and wrong in God. There is loving and not loving in God. And we have to know God's character. We have to know God's nature. We have to know what he deems right and wrong. We have to know what he deems as loving and not loving so that we can therefore love well. That's why we have to teach on sin. That's why we have to call people to repentance. That's why we have to call people to ask for forgiveness. That's why, you know, in James 5, it talks about confessing our sins to one another like we've got to confess sin mm-hmm. to to bring it out into the light, you know, as Paul says in Ephesians five. Like we want to we want to bring our sin out in the light, and so that we can be free from it. So that therefore we continue to love God, love others, and love ourselves in a more healthy way. Okay, it kind of seems like uh, Christians sort of start out kind of hyper gracey when they first get saved. Okay, like they're uh-huh. all like. Filled with the grace, or whatever. right, right, sure, or whatever, yeah, yeah. And then as they get older, they become more legalistic. Uh, yeah. Is that true? I think that is true in a lot of cases. Why? Because I, here's what's funny: they they're they're learning, they they're learning truth, they're learning about God's nature, they're okay. learning about God's holiness, but then they think it's up to them to get to that or to keep that or to be like that. Okay. And so, which is one of hyper grace's critiques, right? That's that mixed grace gospel they talk about Mm -hmm. where, yeah, sure. They, people come to salvation through grace, but now they're having to keep it through works or be sanctified by works. So that's the critique of it. So they're not wrong in the fact that that has been in the church a lot. Okay. And so, and that's where we're always trying to strive for like, okay, yeah, as we learn more about God, as we learn more about his nature, as we are disciplined by the Lord, we keep in mind love and we keep in mind grace. We keep in mind that the gospel that was good for us the day we got saved 
is the good is good for us every single day after that as well. Okay. And I think that's what has to be in in play. And so it's not the it's not the abandoning of the process of sanctification. It's realizing that we're that the process is still happening by grace. And that there, that that the God who loved us with, you know, when we were full and dead in sin, we were full of sin and dead in sin. The God who loved us there and redeemed us and saved us is the God who loves us and has grace toward us every single day after that as well. So would you describe it as like they get, as they get sanctified, they realize within themselves things that were good and were not good to go, to do in Christ, and now they're trying to tell me what I should and shouldn't uh, do. Sure, is that how is that what's I, happening? I think that's I think sure, that's, and it's kind of naturally happening that way, even if they don't realize it. Probably so. Okay. Yeah, I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of I do agree with that. There's like this mixed message. I think we talked about that in yeah. legalism. There's a mixed message and. And so, uh, and that's unfortunately there in too many churches. Yeah. And to be able to find this balance, like we were talking about just a second ago, find the balance between the legalistic working out salvation and the hyper grace, sanctification's already heard, no process at all, to, to realize, okay, no, there we are sanctified by grace and we are being sanctified by grace. Mm. And I think that's that's that balance that churches do need to search out for okay so say i'm a person that has been uh-huh. in hyper grace my whole life okay and apparently i would like some more rules <laughs> <laughs> okay i'll rephrase but i'm right. gonna keep that part in <laughs> okay say i've grown up my whole life in hyper grace but i realize that that's wrong now Okay. How do I stop thinking that way? Like, what steps yeah. would I need to take? To like, act. because that's why I said it like that. Because it's like, right. do I just go look for some rules? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, and, and that's you know, and I think it's obviously why you corrected yourself too. Because, yeah. like, no, the answer is not to become a legalist. Right. The answer is not to just go add on rules. I would say the answer is to find a place, uh, you know, where all right, we're going to go through the scriptures together, and it's actually okay to talk about the fact that there is sin, mm-hmm. that we have bits of sin, and that it's okay to say that we need to deal, that, that you know, using Paul's phrases, right, we need to, you know, crucify the flesh, you know, and there's, there, that's a, like, it's like that idea of, like, the flesh has been crucified and the flesh is being crucified. Like, mm-hmm. yes, we have died with Christ and we are dying with Christ. You know, we're going to, put to death the deeds of the flesh, as Paul says in Romans 8. And so I think there's that reality that being together with, this is where I think being together with people and discipleship and and, and, and confession is so healthy because I, I want to look more like Christ. Like I want, so for the, someone who's been in hyper grace and they know they're loved by God, they know they have an identity as a son and daughter of God, I would say hold on to that. Mm. Like don't step under rules, don't step under shame, okay? Hold on to those things. But it's okay now to enter into the process of sanctification and looking more like Jesus. It's okay to enter into the process saying, Holy Spirit, convict me. And those are all phrases that would have been foreign to them and actually been told, don't say those things. Right. Like, they would have been told, Holy Spirit doesn't convict. They would be told sanctification is not a process. They're going to be told, you don't have to ask for forgiveness. 
You're going to be told you have to confess your sins to one another. I'm saying I think those things are actually what begins to free us to love better, to love others. And not in the sense of rules, but in the sense of that's what we're called to do. Like, you know, Jesus is pretty clear. Like, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments. Right. You know, John is saying, hey, if, if you know, if you love the Lord, you know, obey his command so to love like, one another. It's like freeing for them to realize that they're terrible people. <laughs> I think it's freeing to realize that I don't have that I that there is a way of following Jesus that is not just loosey goosey that's not just mm-hmm. do whatever I want how like there is a there's a way of following Jesus and I'm not saying it has to look a certain way like I'm not going to sit here and go it needs to look like the way it did with John Wesley in the 1700s or mm-hmm. it's not it doesn't have to look like the way it did with Charles Finney in the 1800s like it doesn't like I'm not saying it has to look these certain ways all I'm saying is is that to realize hey there is grace and truth. There is a fuller character of God that I can actually discover what actually makes him mad. Mm-hmm. I can actually discover there are things that break his heart. So he has like more of a personality to you now. Yeah, he's not just You're big, like, happy yeah. Santa Claus up there or right. something. Yeah. Right, just like legalism. He's not a just an angry, angry authoritarian dictator. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So which one... Which one would you say is harder to get out of, legalism or hypergrace? Boy, I think legalism would be harder to me. Okay. Because you've had rules. You've had rules pounded into you for so long mm-hmm. that it'd be, I think it would be hard to yeah. move out of that. Because a lot of people feel safe in rules. Or they, it feels like rules are clear. Let's just follow rules. Right, and for some people, it's easier for them because of their sin bents or whatever you want to call them to uh-huh. follow the rules. Correct. Right? Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, so I, th- I think that would be kind of harder to flip that switch of where I'm not just constantly condemning or shaming myself mm-hmm. because of missing the mark with God. Well, this has been the one I heard this podcast. Uh, Joseph, that was, that was good. Yeah, man. I enjoyed... All four of the legalism and hyper grace episodes. They've been good. Yeah. They've been good. Because I feel like I already think about it a little differently. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know what I think about differently, but I think about something differently. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully we're not making you feel that way. No. But after having to edit these and watch them three times, through three times, I'm really remembering things. (laughs) you're welcome thanks yeah um you can follow the podcast on facebook and instagram at when i heard this podcast and on x previously known as twitter and locals at when i heard this like subscribe follow share download and tell your friends about the show you can follow me on facebook and instagram at nate robinson and you can follow joseph on instagram at rev joe t this has been the when i heard this podcast and we'll see you guys next time bye